Did you notice these are the same on both screens? That just We have the coolest TVs here. I'm going to yeah, I'll have to check them, make sure. There's a third one back there. You have to move fast though to see when when she pushes the button, do they change at the same time? Yeah. You see something different? Try just your left eye and your right eye. Just try to do that. (laughs) Oh, purpose. This isn't that fish in the water, you know, that, not that one. We are uh, working through this idea, this series of walking with God in, in the world. So we've got a... Uh, reason to be here and you you walk into a doctor's office and they're going to ask you so why are you here what are you what are you doing here it you know there's there's a reason you go in there you go to a restaurant there's a, there's a reason you go in there and there's uh, all kinds of purposes that exist around us just all the time what is it that determines what you're doing. Why are you here, alive on this planet, at this time? Why you, now? What's your purpose? The answer to that is going to determine a whole lot of things. And what you do with your time, what you do with your money, what you do with your thoughts, what you do with your uh, entertainment, your free time. What you do with every part of your body, every moment of your day, is determined by your purpose. And you're going to fill it, one way or another. And you are, well, let's see, preparing for judgment. This is from Hebrews 9, verse 27. Each person is destined to die once... Just one time. After that comes judgment. That's the arrangement. So we are given that information in Hebrews because he's putting this into a a package as the, the book unfolds in this relationship with God and how we connect with him and keeping our eyes on Jesus and walking by faith. All of that's there. But this is part of that. We die once which means we've we've lived once, and then there's judgment. How does that work? To judge anything, there have to be standards. So, you know, if you've played games, you are trying to score points, and depending on the game, uh, there's different ways to do that. But somebody is judging whether or not you have more points than somebody else or whether that that was done well or within the boundaries of the rules of the game. All of that plays into the purpose and the judgment and how this thing all comes together. So who sets the standards for life? Is it set by a committee? Is it personal? You just determine... This is how I'm going to score my life, and I will judge it accordingly. 
because you're doing that every day. What you do with your time, what you do with your money, what you do with your interest, what your, where your brain goes, words you speak to others, what you're doing with your hands, what you are involved in reflects the things that you think score, and because you do them, you're getting points. And you've made that decision. So is that by committee? Somebody out there or society around you has determined these are really good things. If you just do this, you look good, you feel good, you, you have achieved, and you give your life to that. Or is it God? God who determines who has actually scored, who has actually done the thing that was supposed to be done in that lifetime. He gets booted a lot. But if he's the one who determines this, and since we all will be dead, we're destined to die once, after that comes judgment. Guess who determines the score? The judge. We ain't him. There is a judge And he is going to look at the whole of our lives. Again, what we did with our time, what we did with our money, what we did with our energy, what we did in relationship to others, what we did in relationship to resources on this world. What are we doing? There's a big bonfire coming. The bonfire, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, says... This, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. It's a little heads up on what's coming. There will be a big bonfire. And all that stuff that we have so highly treasured and valued and said, man, that's what I want to give my life to. I'm going to, I'm going to train for that or I'm going to invest in that or that's what I like to do in my free time or that's what I like. I just want to fill my life with. That makes me feel so good. What happens in the bonfire? And this is an exercise in looking down the road to that time of judgment. Everybody dies. Judgment comes. What happens at the judgment you can determine what gets burned and what doesn't now you can't then you can now so what is it that we live our lives for what's our purpose how are we living out what is gold silver precious stones those the the jewels that don't burn the gold silver and and, and jewels will be purified in the fire so they just get better 
but the wood, hay, and straw, as you know, will go up in flames. All of it. How many of the things that we give our lives to are gold, silver, and precious stones versus wood, hay, and straw? What's, what are we using that's just filler, just lightweight, that just burns quick? That from God's perspective, not ours, not society's, not a committee's, God's perspective, what is it that lasts? What's going to continue? What is it that our lives uh, can contribute to, that our lives can be built of, that our lives can generate in such a way that before the living God, in eternity, those things survive judgment through the bonfire. Now, if you're a believer, you know Jesus Christ, you have given your heart to him. You can see, you can have nothing but wood, hay, and straw go through the fire. It all burns up. You can see that. The work that you've done burned up. The builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. So it's still... This isn't a question of heaven or getting into heaven. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So a little smoky coming out the other side. Because that's the life we've chosen. We've chosen to evaluate the score. We want to count what we want to count. And we want to let God know my hobbies, my activities, my interests, my friends, my family, what I want to spend my time with or invested in is all related to what I think about it. And God's saying, you can do that. But when it goes through the flames, just know it can also be burned up. He would prefer, because he's put us here for a reason, He's put you here for his purposes. You have a meaningful existence. And you are here at this point in history for a reason. He didn't choose to put you here in 1865. He chose to put you here now. Because there's a reason. There's a purpose for your life. You can live it. You can choose to go his way. Or you can fill it with all the things that society says, all the pressures of everyone around you and all that you've ever heard in your lifetime. And listen to that. But when it hits the bonfire, there's only one opinion that matters. Only one. He is the judge, and he knows exactly where you were, what you were going through, every situation you faced. He knows your attitude he knows the words you said the words you thought the feelings you had all of it and you go but you don't know what it was like when i and he says no i do yeah i do everyone then the flames begin to burn away all that we've given our lives to he said i put you there for a reason Tremendous reason, eternal reason, because he wanted you to come through.
with gold, silver, and precious stones that can only be purified to prepare you for a life that goes on and on from this time forward. Not to have a short-term life, not to just spin your wheels, not to just burn through another day, not just try to figure out how, how to pay bills, how to feed your feelings, but to live this life purposefully according to the plan God has for you. The fire's coming. It's a way of saying, I value you. This is to let us know there's something really positive available to us by living his way. Something very unique. Something that opens doors in heaven that are uh, glorious. And we're told some of these things that we can do in first chapter of second Peter is when we follow those things and we're listening to the Lord, we're fulfilling the purpose that we have and we're getting to know him more and honoring him more in the life that we have here that it kicks open the gates of the kingdom. It's just so cool. Well, some of the stuff we invest in and the things we spend a whole lot of time on uh, will burn up as well, uh, just here on the earth. So here's the burning. Here's the burning. This is from Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. The earth and everything on it. The house you built, the car you bought, the gardens you planted. If you can find anything that can survive this, let me know. All of it. Well, I just want to leave a legacy for my kids and grandkids. It'll burn. The legacy will burn. But I'm just trying to save up some money for it. It will burn. Dollar bills burn. Gold will burn up. Because this is talking about all of the basics are going to be gone. He's going to clean house. Last time it was a flood. Water cleanses. This time it's fire. Fire cleanses. And he's purifying it all to prepare for what's coming next. There's a new heaven and a new earth on its way. And that won't happen until this is done. Until the judgment is finished. Until the earth and all that's on it is burnt. There is a... In my thinking, in Second Peter 3.10, a heads up on what's happening in the heavens. There is a, this isn't the heavens of God's, where God lives or where his throne is. These are the, the heavens also refer to the atmosphere, the universe around us. And there's a second heaven that in, is filled with divine beings that has um, supernatural beings. Some of those are on God's side. There's another group 
who are opposed and have rebelled and have created all kinds of troubles. This is just my think, think on this. The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. Not the atmosphere, not what we're seeing around us, but the screaming of those demonic beings, those in darkness who have now been faced with the judgment that Jesus has come back and he's now taking over. And that noise is the reality of their judgment as well. And the screaming, the noise, the terrible noise, and then everything else is burning up. And they have sold human beings on this for centuries. Invest yourself. Build a culture. Build a temple. Build a fancy house. Build your kingdom. And it's all going to burn. And everybody dies once. And everybody will stand before the Lord in judgment. And everyone will have a bonfire. And everything goes into it. There's nothing left here. And there will be nothing left of our lives that we carry with us if it's given to the flammable wood, hay, and straw. So we have a choice. Do we live according to God's purpose, which we can choose? Or do we live our lives and the time that we're given here on this planet uh, according to the way we feel? You know, I just woke up this morning. I have no idea. I'll, you know, I'll just do what I feel. Or, you know, I, I have aches and pains, so I don't really want to do anything. I, so I don't have a purpose because I have aches and pains. Or I'm too short. I'm too young. I'm too bald. I'm too hairy. I don't know. We come up with all kinds of things that just say, I have a reason for not doing the purpose for which God has placed me on this planet at this point in history. And God is looking from heaven going, what? I have given you resources. I've given you breath in your lungs. I've given you sunshine. I've given you a world that's, ki- that's still spinning. Things are going on. Opportunity is there. Will you trust me? And will you go the direction I've given you? Or will you continue to do things that only please you? Or maybe you're pleasing the society or the committee. But they won't be there at the judgment, except to be judged. They won't be there calling the shots. So who is in charge? The judge, the God of heaven, who says the time is coming. The time is coming for everyone. You only live once. After that, judgment. For those who know the Lord and have lived accordingly, he is going to open these gates that will be unimaginable in terms of the beauty, the opportunities that exist, the adventures that are still to be had because we're just preparing for those things. We can get to heaven, have all this stuff burned up. We can get in, just got smoke on our clothes, And then he sets us aside for a while. It's great to be in heaven. It's great to be among the heavenly beings and those who have gone on before us. All of it's good. Not as good as it ought to be because he has prepared 
for those who love him so much more that he wants to reveal things that he wants to show things that he wants to invite those who actually trust him live his way that he wants to show them imagine what the garden of eden was like the paradise that that adam adam and eve lived in with perfect plants and the atmosphere is working exactly as it should the animals uh, are, are all friendly the chittering of of uh, the birds and things are just absolutely balanced and in perfection and that's coming again and he's inviting us to be part of this thing that opens the door that's just a place where we meet with god in this perfect garden setting that's what he's describing but that's just a doorway to all of the rest of it that exists beyond that point and exists without end these are infinite things that are waiting for us and we go well you know i've been here for 20 30 40 50 60 70 80 years and i'm tired I think I'll just do, you know, I'll just do what feels good to me. I'll watch what I want. I'll listen to what I'll read what I want. I'll talk to who I want. I'll talk to him how I want. He says, do it. You die once. After that comes judgment. And then it goes on the fire. That is something to consider. All of the rest of this is going to burn up all that we've invested ourselves in. So what do we do? What is out there? What lasts? What will last? Let me give you something here. Everlasting God. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. The everlasting God. Everlasting to everlasting. He is timeless. He created time, but he is beyond time. He lasts. Should I spend time with him? Should I get to know him? How much study have I done on the character of God or his works? Or what is it that God is? What's he up to? What's he thinking? What does he think of me? What does he think of our time? Have I wrestled with those things or am I really too busy for this being who is from everlasting to everlasting? Because that knowledge, that relationship, that goes on the bonfire. Guess what comes out untouched? Because it lasts. Because he lasts. That relationship lasts. The everlasting God. God's word is forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. What he has said, what he has directed, what the principles he's laid down, all of it stands forever. So how much time should I spend on that? Should I get into the word? There's a written word. He also speaks to us in other ways. But how much time should I give to that? Because, you know, I like other things. I have other activities. I have other interests. Really, how much time? 
Will it last forever? So next time it comes up in your mind, should I spend the time on this or that? Should I spend the time in God's word or should I piddle my time away on this thing that I just feel so much better with it? Think of the bonfire and tell me which one. You don't have to tell me. You just evaluate it. Which one survives the fire? Which one doesn't? Which one gets purified? Which one is gone? Which one's lasting? Which one isn't? Because every day you've got to determine, do I spend time getting to know God, everlasting to everlasting, or or getting to know his word, the things that will tell me about who I am and why I'm here in this time? How do I determine those things? Well, the word is forever. He's forever. Maybe these other things I'm so interested in don't last forever. Maybe they aren't the thing that should be driving my time, my energy, my efforts, my all my anxiety, all my worry, all my problems, all the drama in my life, and that's what I spend my life on. And he's going, huh. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? He's not like us. And he said these things. And he said, these things last. These things will be judged. These things are good for you. These things are not good for you. The things that he said last forever. And he is not a man that he lies or changes his mind. He's spoken truth, and it lasts That's what he's given us. So we got God God himself, God's word, and then we have God's people. God's people live on in John, Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life, Jesus says, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So people live on. The people of God live on. Everybody, every human being lives forever. They live in different places. Human beings are designed to live forever. They just live either with God or without God. And it's a decision everybody makes. I want to be with God or I don't want to be with God. I want to be far away from God or I want to be close to God. All those are decisions, but everyone lives forever. People live forever. So what should we do with people? The ones that frustrate us, the ones we talk about, gossip about, put down, anger at, be angry at, and we, we have a whole list of how we respond to people, the people we work with, go to school with, live in our house, people that are on the road. We come up with all kinds of things. What are we going to do with people? People live forever. So should we help people by pointing them in the direction of the living God who is forever, help them to know God's word, which is forever, or curse them, put them down, drive them away because they don't fit something the way we want it to be? And put that on the bonfire. 
and say, here's my attitude, this is my response. These are my relationships. This is how I treated people. This is how I used people, abused people. This is how I upheld. These, these are my heroes who may be totally opposed to the living God. I, I'm following them. I'm emulating them. And God's people are forever. Why not help them to have a forever that is really good by pointing them in the right direction? So we have three things. So here's the basic, basic three. God, eternal. God's word, forever. God's people, everlasting life. We have the opportunity to be involved in three there, there, there are more things, but these are, these are basic three that every child of God can invest their lives in. And every child of God has the opportunity to uh, find their purpose in following God, connecting with God's word, which is going to tell us about God, tell us what we're doing here and how we respond to the world around us. And then the people because we're supposed to be loving God and loving people, and this gives us an opportunity to, to do that and to understand these are, these are lasting things. These are everlasting things. We're not just in passing. It's not just my opinion. These are the things God has said, and he does not lie, last. They will last through the fire. If I'm investing myself in these things, then I'm working on things that are gold, silver, precious stones not wood hay and straw so if you make a list you get a piece of paper you make a list and you write down here are the things i'm giving my life to here's my schedule for this last month this is what i spent most of my time doing these are the things that i spent my energy on these are the things i thought about these are the things and you spent my money on put all that and you go where where's most of it going time, energy, thought, anxiety, money, where's it go? Just putting those, will it last, will it burn up? Will it last, will it burn up? You just go through, you get to find out, is this like a God thing or am I determining on my own? I'm scoring so well because look at how I live my life. And the God of heaven saying, I've got a purpose for you. It's going to begin with these three things. I want you to enjoy the very best life possible here, in this life, and in the life to come. To get you through the judgment. If you do those things now by trusting God, by believing him, by loving him, by really loving other people, then that bonfire will just be... a great time and you'll be screaming s'mores s'mores no you won't that's that's an aside so three things here's the the uh, trend <laughs> a, a challenge here's a challenge there's an issue that we have with gates and politically there's all kinds of issues with gates but this is different the narrow gate this is from Matthew 7, 13 to 14. 
Jesus is, this is his Sermon on the Mount, the end of it, and he's, he's uh, talking <laughs> about a variety of things, but pointing people to God and how to live in the kingdom. And he says, you can enter God's kingdom only, only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. So let's go with that, the narrow gate. Narrow gate is uh, not popular, which is what he's saying. The other gate is wide. People flood that direction. They love getting in those crowds. They love looking like the other people. They like thinking like the other people. How long does it take a, a group of people to become a mob or a herd? How long does it take take before groupthink sets in? And in this world, people do it all the time. And the, drawn to self-centered thinking, how can I get ahead of the other person? How, and in this case, it's I, God's over there. God has some requirements. God's way looks horrible to me. I don't want the narrow gate because I don't want to be confined to that kind of living. You go through the gate, and it just opens up, and there's you know, the way to paradise. There's, there's the kingdom. There's the reality of meeting with God, the creator of all things, and who provides goodness and love and beauty, and all of that's waiting. But it's a narrow gate. But here's this wide gate, man, and everybody's going that way. So obviously, if you take a pole, that one wins. So I need those kind of tennis shoes. I need, I need to be thinking that way, and I need to go through the gate with all of the wide gate with those guys. That's, that's the approach. Run that through. We die once. Judgment. Bonfire. I chose the wide gate. Judgment's coming. It's a whole different judgment. Don't even get to be at the bonfire. It's a whole different setup. And yet, even believers go along with, everybody's going there, everybody's doing it. I need to have that kind of attitude. I can flip people off on the highway just like those other people. You go, way to go, Christian. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. I see your lips. Yeah. And the God of heaven's going, really? Here's the narrow gate. Here's the path. Here's righteousness. Here are the rewards of righteousness. Here are the good things I want to pour out on you. I think I like that wide gate like everybody else. For those who want to follow Christ, it's a narrow gate. There is no option. And in that way, there is life. There's this um, story found in Luke chapter 10. This is about first things. And this is uh, an encounter that Jesus has with Mary and Martha, and this is, Jesus is 
teaching a group. So he's got his disciples and the people who tag along and Mary, they're at Mary Martha's house. So, and Lazarus, that's their brother. So they all, they all have this, this house. And it's at that place, Jesus is, is uh, teaching a number of things. And Martha has been busy in the kitchen because hospitality is a big thing in that culture. Well, it's in our culture too. You want to feed people. And here's a whole herd of people. And Martha's in the kitchen. Mary's not in the kitchen. Her sister, she's sitting out there on the front row with Jesus. And, and she is just mad. She's been in there fuming for a while. She's cut up all the onions she wants to. And she is back and making sure that everybody knows that Mary has fallen short. And she needs her to get in here. And Jesus, you tell her. And Jesus approaches Martha, and not because she's wanting to feed people. It's not it. He says, Martha, you are concerned about so many things, worried about so many things. You are so uptight about so many things. The so many things are not there are onions to cut, tomatoes. you got to mix the... He's not talking about the kitchen. He's talking about so many things. Because she is so uptight, and because of all of the other things, she can't leave the kitchen because of all the other things. It's not that these people need to be fed. In fact, if Jesus wanted them fed, I think he can do it with a couple of fish. Just just saying. That's not the issue. The issue is so many things. So she is so distracted that she can't even come in there and sit down and settle down and focus on what Jesus is, is saying even for a minute. So, he protects Mary and points out to Martha and to the rest of us because it's recorded in Scripture. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. What? What one thing? What's the one thing? It's being there with Jesus. It's listening to his word. What is it that lasts? God is from everlasting to everlasting. The word of God is forever. What has she just chosen? To be in the presence of the living God, who is from everlasting to everlasting, listening to him preach, which is the word of God coming out of Jesus himself, out of his mouth, which is forever. She's there with a group of people who are forever What has she just done? She nailed it. She nailed it. What are the many things that distract us? What keeps us from listening to Jesus? From coming before him? From saying, well, all these other things. Yeah, and they keep us away from him. And we think, well, I'm serving, so I'm, 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 you know, somebody's got to serve. Not with him around. Again, a couple of fish, a piece of bread, he can feed them. That's not the issue. What distracts? What keeps us away? What says he is not important enough for me to sit here and give him my attention? Absorb his word, discover who I am and my purpose in this world, 
before I die and face judgment? What is it that he's doing right now that's about me? And Mary has chosen that thing. And it will not be taken away from her. So when the bonfire lit for Mary, guess what did not burn up? Purified, golden moment that's available to all of us when we choose Him over all the other anxieties and worries and problems and issues. Is He saying don't take care of responsibilities? Nope. Is he talking about not being hospitable? Nope. He's just talking about focus, priorities, purpose. And Mary chose wisely. Application. Walking your purpose. God wants you to fulfill your purpose. He's designed you for a purpose. You are born for a purpose you are here at this time in this world for a purpose it's not to spin your wheels it's not just to burn up time it's not just check off dates on a calendar collect paychecks you were designed for a purpose and he wants you to fulfill it because that makes a difference in the world choosing to walk God's way leads to lasting contentment accomplishment and divine relationship if you want contentment you go, man I'd like to have that peace I don't know Paul who's in jail when he writes it Philippians he says you know be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God okay and as a result of that, the peace of God, which goes beyond all human understanding, will come all over you. You go, huh. Where do you get contentment? Contentment with godliness is great gain. I thought great gain was great gain. No. Contentment. With little or much. Either way, contentment. So choosing to walk God's way leads to lasting contentment, accomplishment. You go, but I need to score this the way I want to score. I want to score it the way society scores it. I want to score it. Do you really? Do you know one of the number one or the number one issue for women? I'm speaking, I'm on the other 50%, but just saying. There is body image. So the issues of body image. And it's from young to old. It's a, it just creeps in. No contentment. Uh, accomplishment. Well, if you're maybe a supermodel, you've accomplished it. And how many of those are there? So there's a handful. And the rest of the world is just the rest of the world. So, what happens if you don't measure up? Are you just a worthless human being who ought not live? Seriously. 
What if you are not the richest person on the planet? You don't send any spacecraft into orbit. You don't have enough money to own an island or a yacht. So no contentment. You haven't accomplished. You have no reason to be here on this planet. See, see where this goes? That's society. That's the value. That's the media. You read it. You see it. You take it in. And then you begin to become discontent. Consider yourself less than accomplished. When you actually may have been walking with God. You may have been actually sitting at his feet, listening to his word, and doing exactly what he wants you to do. Well, it's not in highlights. Nobody put me up on the big screen. I'm just, yeah, good. Because Jesus said in that same Sermon on the Mount, you know, if this gets broadcast a lot or you make a big deal out of it, that's all you get. You want the kingdom. Keep your mouth shut and let God lift us up in his way. Contentment, accomplishment, divine relationship comes out of that humility, comes out of trusting him, being on the floor, <laughs> looking into his face, listening to his words, just absorbing it so that we can go live out the purpose that he's designed us for. And it's probably not like society has said you want to get beat up go with that one you want to see some really great things let God's purpose be yours let him work in your life and take you to the heights that he wants to take you which may be behind the scenes may not be not always but it when it comes to that bonfire that can be a really great time or a really frightening one, depending on how we live today. So it's coming. Because it's appointed. God doesn't lie. It's coming. But we can live the best, most beautiful and fulfilling lives by living in according to his purpose. There is a part two for this next week. So if you want to skip, that would probably be a good one. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for allowing us some time together and time with you. Thank you for being uh, with us. Thank you for uh, sharing your word. Thank you for uh, your resources that have provided for us, uh, kept us breathing, provided food, given us shelter, and even air conditioning on hot days. We thank you for all that and for the joy of knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hebrews chapter 13, may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. 